All right. So I have to ask, did you do any additional research on how fantasy sports drafts are supposed to work between the last deep decarbonization draft and this one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did, actually. I looked up a bunch of different resources. Fantasy sports for dummies. That was the first thing I <laughs> checked out. Uh, I looked up a bunch of gambling websites. Turns out there are a lot of resources for people who want to spend big bucks on fantasy sports. And then I dug up this MIT study, this academic paper on fantasy draft strategies, and there was way too much math in that one. So that I pretty quickly cast that one aside. You know, after reading through everything, I just decided I'm going to go with my raw journalistic instincts on this one. <laughs> um, great. H- how did that work out for you last time, would you say? <laughs> Well, we'll see how it goes. I have confidence. Great. Confidence is um, a very, very small part of the battle. (laughs) Before we begin, I guess we need to do our sponsor messaging, like some kind of sporting event or something. Daniel, you want to try it out? Sure. Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, this is uh, Daniel Waldorf. He's our producer, by the way. Hey, Daniel. Hey. So, uh, as per Stephen's notes, uh, in my best broadcaster voice, The Deep Decarbonization Draft is brought to you by Schneider Electric, the leader of the digital transformation in energy management and automation. Schneider Electric is pioneering solutions like microgrids for everything from community resiliency to higher adoption of electric vehicles. Support for this podcast also comes from PG&E. PG&E is helping to electrify corporate fleet vehicles, and they've got a free resource for companies and organizations looking to go electric. Get in touch with PG&E's EV specialists to find out how you can take your transportation fleet electric at pg&e.com slash gtmev. Back to you, Stephen. <laughs> that, was, that was quite good, Daniel. <laughs> A fitting way to introduce you. Uh, I can only hope so. This is The Interchange, a show about the future of energy. I'm Stephen Lacey in Boston. Welcome. Shale Khan is out in Berkeley, California. He's my co-host. He's my friend. But today, my competitor. That's because this week, it is the second installment of the Deep Decarbonization Draft, our fantasy sports event for energy and climate nerds, back by popular demand. The premise is simple. Shale and I choose our teams of decarbonization technologies and methods, and we pit them against each other to determine who is best at saving the planet. Who would have thought that our little game last year would have sparked so much inspiration? I know. It's actually been really amazing to see. I've heard a bunch of different folks who've sort of spun off their own versions of the decarbonization draft. The best one was um, uh, there was an actual like live game show version of the decarbonization draft taped in Norway last year. I got to see the video. It's all in Norwegian, so I <laughs> I can't tell you anything about how it went, but it looked pretty amazing. And I know Matt Chester, who's an energy analyst, put together his own fantasy sports league, a little bit different than what we're doing. Were you on a team on that one, Shale? Um, I'd rather not talk about <laughs> you it. You lost, right? <laughs> I well, we weren't we weren't in last place. If that's how you define losing, you have so much confidence going into this, but your your record is is not as clean as it might seem. Listen, Stephen, that's a different sport. We, I was playing baseball. This is basketball. Um, my record in this sport, the deep decarbonization draft on this podcast, is spotless. Well, you folks out there on Twitter chose, and you chose Shale by a wide margin. But I'm going to correct that. 
This is my chance to regain my credibility. And so, without further ado, the 2019 Deep Decarbonization Draft. Steven's trying to get even, and Shale's hoping to go for two in a row. Let's see which one of these guys knows best how to deeply decarbonize in the 2019 edition of the Deep Decarbonization Draft. D3, the climate strikes back. Solution from the drawdown project. Then we'll see who can best reduce the planet's level of CO2 in the 2019 edition of the Deep Decarbonization Draft. D3, the climate strikes back. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That theme song was written by Matt Farley. Matt is a superstar songwriter. Thanks, Matt. I'm realizing now, though, I gave him the wrong directions. He mentioned that we're choosing nine members of our decarbonization teams in that song. In fact, we're choosing seven. And so that brings me to the rules. Let's bring in producer Daniel Waldorf to read off how this year's decarbonization draft is going to go. So I've sent both of you a list of 80 solutions across seven different sectors uh, put together by this research organization called Project Drawdown. And there's a score, their scores tied to each of those solutions, both the total CO2 reductions and the total savings of each solution. So I've stripped off those scores so all you can see are the solutions. You are each going to choose seven solutions to build out your team. But first... Both of you, Shale, Stephen, raise your right hands. Do you solemnly swear that you have not looked at the scores? I do. I do. Yes. This is a handy list you sent. Very comprehensive. And I have uh, done no peeking of of the numbers behind these solutions. Not only that, by the way, but I was doing a little bit of research ahead of time. And there's a couple of these topics that if you Google them, the first link that comes up is the project drawdown link with the scores. So I had to be very careful to shield my eyes. I just want you to know how diligent I was in not reading the scores. Both both men of upstanding character. (laughs) So then what happens next? So at the end of the first round, you are each allowed to steal one pick from the other person, if you choose. Ooh, I like that. Once the scores are locked in, I'm going to tally up the CO2 reductions and the total savings, and we'll have a winner. Okay, can I ask a few clarifying questions? Sure. Okay, so first one, um, we are measure the winner is based on the total CO2 reduced, right? Not dollar savings, but like who reduces the most CO2 with our team? And I also think that we're going to be doing both, right? We're going to have a winner for each. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That is not how I have developed my draft strategy. I'm interested in total savings, but we are here to save the planet. CO2 reductions at least should should trump the other winner. We can't have two winners, for example, right? If one of us wins on savings and one of us wins on CO2 reductions, that's unacceptable. I'm trying to hedge my bets here, man. You're... (laughs) No, all right. Agreed. We all agree we're the the primary goal is to reduce CO2. Second question for you. Um, if we steal a pick from the other person, do we have to give up one of our own picks? Yes, you definitely have to give up a pick so that you each have the same number. So if you're confident in your list, then you might you may not steal something. Um, but if you know you have something you need to swap out, then then you can steal something. I, I like this. I like this. Okay. Final question from me. 
So last year, I was my draft strategy revolved around trying to come up with a like sort of multi-sectoral solution that was comprehensive for combating climate change. But here, all we're trying to do is get the t- most total CO2 reduced. So if I skip an entire sector, that's fine, right? I just, as long as I get the largest greenhouse gas reduction I possibly can. Yes, you can You can bunch your, your solutions in a sector. You can skip a sector if you want, as long as you are shooting for the most CO2 reduced. Stephen, can I ask you a question? So I found this exercise of, of thinking about this draft strategy way harder than I found really? it last year when we were... Yeah, so last year, for anybody who hasn't listened, we we basically invented the sectors out of thin air, or the technologies out of thin air. We didn't base it off of a list like we are this time with a, an actual measurement. Uh, I found this one way harder. Did Was it the same for no, you? No, I had the exact opposite reaction. Uh, it was so hard to create my own list last time and to kind of determine which sectors I was going to go after. In this case, having a list in front of me was a lot easier. Now, there are a lot of solutions that are similar to one another or that feed into one another. And so separating those was a little bit difficult for me. Um, And then there were some where I just had no idea like what the cost impact or CO2 reduction would be. But having a list made it a lot easier. For me, I was like trying to imagine the methodology that I would use to estimate CO2 reductions from every single sector. And so and I was just like doing mental gymnastics, trying to figure out, well, let's see, how would they have gone about estimating this? And what would that have resulted in, in terms of total CO2? We should also note that the the way that these scores work, as I understand it, is that they're supposed to be total potential CO2 reduction from doing this at scale, right? Not um, the CO2 reduction we expect in a business as usual case from that technology or sector. Yes, that's right. And I guess that brings me to the final word on where this list comes from. It came from Project Drawdown, as Daniel said. Um, We chose it because it is this uh, research organization that's getting a lot of traction. They they bring together some of the most high-profile climate communicators, advocates, uh, scientists, and they advocate for solutions, for a positive outlook on decarbonization. And they initially came from this book written by Paul Hawken, uh, the the famous environmentalist and environmental capitalist who wrote this book called Project Drawdown. So they come from this book written a few years ago and this organization that was founded around this idea. And the nice thing is that, so Project Drawdown created this list of like 80 climate solutions, defined them, estimated their potential CO2 savings, but also the methodology is entirely transparent. So though I haven't looked at the methodology, to be clear, for any of the individual sectors, um, at least we will have an opportunity to see how we feel about them afterwards. Well, let's kick it off. I How are we going to choose who goes first? I have a quarter here. So you all pick heads and tails. Who's going to pick? Should we flip a quarter to see who gets no, to pick? That's... <laughs> <laughs> Also, this is all happening on, I just want to point out, we're on a podcast. We can't see each other. When you had me raise my right hand, you don't know if I raised my right hand. I don't know if I trust you with this coin Shale, flip. I trust this whole you. Thing. Yeah. I trust you. <laughs> I don't know, man. I have some- Maybe I, have some I shouldn't trust you. I don't know. <laughs> referee questions here. All right, uh, Stephen, you can you can pick heads or tails. All right, I'm going with tails. Okay, here we go. I'm in the confines of my tiny closet. All right, it's tails. Wee. Here we go. So this is a big list, over 80 solutions. And I thought about 
how am I going to start to bucketize this stuff? And my first inclination was to really start with electricity because I know that sector well. And, you know, there are some really important solutions in electricity. But transportation is rapidly becoming the big, biggest single source of emissions here in the United States. And it is uh, becoming a bigger share of emissions around the world. So I had to pick a very important piece of the transportation sector, and that is shipping. Uh, 90% of our global trade depends on ships, and shipping is clearly an important uh, climate solution that I need on my team. In fact, according to a recent study from the European Parliament, shipping worldwide could be responsible for 17% of global CO2 emissions in 2050 if left unregulated. And I just can't imagine a team without doing something about the global shipping industry. So that's my first choice. Wow. Shipping with the first pick. That uh, <laughs> That is unexpected. I'm feeling very good about this draft. Um, Wait, but can what? I ask you? How, how is that? <laughs> that's a great pick. Um, okay. Well, wait, let me ask you this. Uh, so one of the things about these project drawdown lists is some of these some of these solutions, you know, it, def- it says a sector with it, but they're actually like uh, describing a particular change in that sector. So what is it they're talking about with shipping? Well, their definition is the use of technologies to make maritime shipping less fuel intensive. Uh, this solution replaces conventional maritime shipping practices and technologies. So what does that actually mean? Well, it's pretty broad. Um you could it's it's all about like scheduling and routes how to optimize routes to reduce fuel consumption um how to design ships so that they're using less like bunker fuel or diesel so like you literally have uh more efficient engines uh you can build container ships that have higher capacity so you can carry more goods on a single journey and potentially cut emissions that way. There are all sorts of ways to use kites so that uh, the engine isn't doing as much work. There's a ton of different technological and operational solutions, and this encompasses all of those. All right. With the first pick in the 2019 deep decarbonization draft, Stephen (laughs) takes kites for shipping. (laughs) Okay. All right. My turn. Yeah. Um, Look, here's the thing, Stephen. If LeBron James is sitting there waiting to be picked and you decide to take Tom Brady, (laughs) Tom Brady. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let's see if our audience thinks that shipping uh, kites are Tom Brady. Um, I personally start with the obvious first round draft pick um, future hall of famer solar farms or utility scale solar, but they define it as, as solar farms. It's, I will note the same first round draft pick that I made last year, but I stand by it. It is, it, there's just no deep decarbonization future without it. So I take utility scale solar. Mm. Ugh, boring. Just so plain vanilla. <laughs> I mean, how obvious, you know? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes obvious is good, but all right. Yeah. But you know, Tom Brady was w- one of the last draft picks and you know he was he was benched in favor of one of the best quarterbacks in history and he came out of nowhere and became absolutely one of the quintessential best athletes in history across any sport you just happen to pick the easy flashy technology that you know is certainly going to be important but i'm going for the dark horse my friend all right whatever uh, whatever works for you steven what's your what's your second pick okay i've got another unconventional pick. This is a hard one because the solutions, at least as we're deploying them now, are not working very well. 
But in theory, if we can get it right, this is one of the most important things for reducing CO2 and stemming uh, global temperature rise. And that is saving tropical forests. According to the World Resources Institute, if tropical deforestation were a country, it would be the third highest emitter of CO2 behind the U.S. and China. And tropical tree cover loss is now causing more emissions every year than 85 million cars would over their entire lifetime. So if you can figure out ways to properly manage these forests, make sure that they don't cut down, um, although these these, uh, you know, 8% of global emissions come from tree cover loss, they could actually provide 23% of the cost-effective climate mitigation needed before 2030. So it's a really good short-term solution, according to the World Resources Institute. You just can't have a technology fix. You need some kind of ecological fix, and tropical forest management is right at the top of the list. Yeah, you know, I would make fun of that one, but actually, I think that was a good pick. Um, I, you know, this is, that's an area I haven't spent a lot of time in historically, but I was doing a little bit of research and it's true. Tropical forest deforestation is a huge, huge source of, uh, emissions reduction loss. So kudos. I I respect that pick. Thank you, sir. Okay. What's your pick? This is number two. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stay boring for the first few boring because they're obviously so important for decarbonization. Um, and so I will give you my first transport pick, which is obviously electric vehicles. There's, again, just no future deep decarbonization scenario where we don't electrify a good chunk of passenger transportation at a minimum. So I pick EVs. Do passenger vehicles really make up a huge share of transportation emissions? That seems like a weak choice when you're looking at the transportation sector. They do make up a huge share of transportation emissions. We, we sort of forget it because... We sort of feel like we have the solution in hand. We're just going to electrify it. But they make up a significant portion. It's like, let's see, short distance light road transport, I think, alone is like 11% of global emissions. And mm. then there's more if you add on other parts of transportation. So, um, I mean, it doesn't solve the entire problem for shipping, for example. But I, I think EVs are a huge lever. Okay, well, then that brings me to my other pick. And if you're going to be choosing electrified passenger vehicles, I've got to go with electrified trucks. You have to solve the trucking industry as well. Uh, uh, Heavy-duty trucks make up about a quarter of all carbon emissions from the transportation sector globally. So also a very high share of that sector. And um, green... Also a very high share of that sector. So I feel confident in this one-two punch of shipping and trucking. I feel like I'm taking a huge chunk out of the greenhouse gas emissions. I feel like I'm taking a huge chunk out of the greenhouse gas emissions from the transportation sector. You're focused on cars. Yeah, which which have you... You're focused on cars, which, yeah, as you've proven do play a significant role. But shipping and trucking, those are some heavy-duty solutions. Wait, so do you mean just electric trucks or, you know, reduction of emissions in trucking in general? Because I read that one on the Project Drawdown list and it looked like it was broader. It wasn't just electrification. Yes, that's right. Uh, Thanks for making me clarify. I was focused on electrification because that's what you were focused on with passenger vehicles. But it includes all kinds of methods for improving the efficiency of engines, 
improving the way you drive these trucks around and also electrification. Okay, so on to my third pick. Um, all right, I'm going to go back into this land use category. You did avoided tropical deforestation. Um, I'm going to go in the opposite direction here and say afforestation, which is plant some goddamn trees. Uh, the thing about planting so trees, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real, it's a real thing though. I was actually reading some research over the weekend that suggested that with available treeless land, um, not including existing farmland, there's just like a ton of land we theoretically could use, uh, to put trees on. There's 1.7 billion hectares of treeless land where you could put trees that would naturally grow. And that would reduce something like two thirds of all current emissions um, from human activities. So not to say we're going to do it, but if you're looking for big potential, we could plant an enormous number of trees. Yeah, this is an important solution, but so many companies use this as a crutch. And rather than reduce their point source emissions and change their supply chains or their products, they go and plant a bunch of trees and then call themselves carbon neutral. And I really hate this solution for that reason, not because it's not important, but because it's misused. I mean, misused or not, right? I do think it's a real, if if it's sustained uh, and then you don't cut down those trees later, it is, it's a big uh, opportunity to to mm. suck up a bunch of emissions. So, I mean, you know, things can both be good and potentially ripe for greenwashing at the same time. We're going to take a quick break. We have four more picks coming up. But first, let's talk about our sponsors that are deploying solutions for decarbonization right now. We're sponsored by Schneider Electric. Schneider is at the forefront of decarbonization. Uh, if we had a draft picking company, Schneider would be at the top of the list. It helps companies, communities, governments embrace microgrids to enable a more reliable, resilient, and sustainable future. Across North America, Schneider Electric has designed and built more than 300 microgrid projects. To learn more about their microgrid-as-a-service funding model, tap that link right there in the show notes. We are also brought to you by PG&E, a utility that is pushing hard into fleet electrification. PG&E is helping companies, organizations, and municipalities take their cars and trucks electric in mass numbers. And it has a resource to start the process. They have a free guidebook on fleet electrification and infrastructure. Go to pge.com slash gtmev to download that guidebook. No strings attached or forms to fill. That's pge.com slash gtmev. All right, y'all. Four more picks to go. Four more picks. So who's who goes? Do I go? Is this is this me now? Yep, you're up. Wait, can I ask you a question thus far in our top sure. three? Have have <laughs> yeah. I picked anything on your list? No. Yeah, no. Nor have you picked anything on mine. Yeah, interesting. Which is so interesting. I was so I, you know, I, I before we started recording, you mentioned you had like twenty solutions, and I literally have seven here. And then if you pick something on my list, I'm just gonna scramble. I have like a a list in my head of substitute technologies or methods, but. Uh, I'm really banking on the fact that you're not going to pick anything that I have. Yeah, it's a bummer. Hopefully, and I will now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, I, I've tackled two important solutions in transportation. I've got an ecological solution. We got to go for the built environment. Buildings are responsible for 30% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, emissions from buildings are probably going to double by 2050. So I have to pick net zero buildings. You really can't do much about climate change without going deep on emissions reductions in buildings. 
Yeah, you know, I I think I was thinking about that one. I think that's probably a pretty good pick. I, you know, it, in some ways, it feels to me like if we can decarbonize electricity, you then net zero buildings. You, they pick up the pieces on like heating, space heating. Um, but eh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, all right. That's an all right pick. I think. What do you mean you? Do? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the, <laughs> the reason why I like this is because it encompasses a bunch of different technologies. So the way they define it, they say new buildings that utilize high efficiency building solutions and on-site renewable energy systems to consume net zero utility scale sources and that produce net zero carbon emissions on an annual basis. Um, so you could, I mean, that could mean any kind of technology like heat pumps or on-site solar or building insulation or uh, building controls, you name it. Uh, there are a lot of other building technologies that they mentioned, but I just had to go with net zero buildings because it was all encompassing. Yep. All right. I get it. I get it. Um, okay. So for my fourth pick, um, I'm going to make a pick that was one of the ones where when I was looking over the list, my first thought was like, huh? Um, and so I did a little bit of research and hence um, have discovered that uh, the process of educating girls, which is one of the picks available um, in the Project Drawdown list, um, actually has really enormous emissions reduction potential. So just to dis explain it, I mean, it's actually relatively straightforward, right? Um, higher levels of, levels of education lead to a variety of things, um, but including uh, better family planning and thus less population growth. There's a ton of evidence of this sort of all over the place. Um, there was some research by the International Institute for Applied Systems Analysis in Vienna that did this modeling of the impacts of fertility on population growth. And basically, like, they, they're the variability and potential population that we'll see by mid-century or the next century is enormous. They found in a high versus low population growth scenario that we could have 2 billion, is a 2 billion person swing by 2045 and a 5 billion person swing by 2100. So if you're looking for, I, I'm not one of these like, we need to stop population growth people, but I think as a lever to reduce climate change, um, actually educating girls, especially in the developing world, in a way that allows them to succeed in society and then will sort of naturally reduce population growth, I think actually probably has a pretty big impact. Yeah. To give listeners a peek behind the curtain, we had an anonymized version of this list for a little while, and we looked at the three solutions like educating girls, family planning, and women smallholders. And we said, okay, how do we value those? Those are clearly important solutions, but we sort of understand these like technological solutions more. And I think the two of us said, how do we wrap our heads around the emissions reductions? That seems like a harder one to calculate. And it sounds like you did some research and, and found that it was like extremely important. So the research convinced you. Yeah, it's like avoided, it's avoided emissions. Basically, it's, it's not emissions, it's not yeah. direct emissions reduction. It's avoided emissions, but it's it's potentially a huge amount of avoid of avoided emissions. Yeah, super important pick, and that brings me to my fifth pick, which is very much related family planning. Now we've had this long history in the environmental movement of talking about population control. It is tinged with racism, sexism, and classism. It is a very fraught conversation. But the way that they have framed family planning to uh, slow population growth in a very really positive way, I think, makes this a very important 
solution. Uh, and in fact, there's this study from the National Academy of the Sciences that showed uh, through better family planning and slowing population growth, we could provide between 16 and 29 percent of the emissions reductions necessary by 2050 to keep global temperatures below two degrees Celsius. So an extremely important solution. And um, I, I also had to put this one on the table. I do want to just acknowledge that we're a couple of dudes talking about this stuff. So, you know, let's 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 pause it that we don't have all the we're, we're not as close to this as we could be. We don't have all the information, but it does clearly seem like um, at least from my research, sounds like from yours as well, that this is this is a big, somewhat unexplored um, these sort of these areas together opportunity to avoid significant additional emissions. Um, okay. My fifth pick. So here I feel like I I need a solution for food and agriculture. I know I do. It's also the area that I am least expert in. So this one's a bit of a struggle for me, but um, my pick is conservation agriculture, which is uh, they defined by Project Drawdown as an annual crop production system that provides biosequestration via crop rotation, cover cropping, and reduced tillage. Um, you know, I think there's there's a it's a fairly significant amount of emissions that um, comes from just our agricultural practices. You know, you think about stuff like cow burps and methane, but a lot of it is also just in the soil. And so my theory here is that a better crop production system that sequesters carbon better will have a broad enough impact because it's applicable in so many places all over the world that it'll add up to a lot. I, can you quantify it? I literally know nothing about this. This is actually one of the solutions that I didn't dig into. So I don't have an exact number for you, but um, globally, agriculture, forestry, and land use is about a quarter of greenhouse gas emissions. And within agriculture, um, the amount that is held up in agricultural soils is about 51%, which more than methane, which is the cow burp stuff. So... I think on its own, it adds up to quite a lot. Ah, interesting choice. Okay, pick number six for me. If you're taking something natural, like conservation agriculture, I'm going to take something synthesized, like bioplastics. So there's this study from the journal Nature Climate Change this year that showed emissions from plastics production and disposal could amount to 17% of our global carbon budget by 2050. So if we want to keep temperatures from rising more than 1.5 degrees Celsius, we have to do something about plastics. And of, of course, we know that plastics come from petroleum products. And so there there have to be cost-effective solutions for uh, taking petroleum out of the equation, recycling plastics uh, more effectively, because without that solution, we are probably going to go over our carbon budget. Yeah, I thought about bioplastics too. I, there's somebody told me the other day, and this has been bouncing around in my head ever since then, that plastic is the next meat in the sense that, like, we're in this cultural moment right now where it's uh, it's sort of cool to eat fake meat and reduce your meat consumption because people have realized that meat is a big contributor to climate change, and that sort of the next wave of that is going to come via plastic, which will create a demand for not only plastic alternatives, but also stuff like bioplastics. So I think that's interesting. I don't know how big, how much that moves the needle on global greenhouse gas emissions, but I, I do think it's important. Yeah. I mean, the question is, 
where does the solution come from? Is it through better disposal and recycling? Or is it through the use of biomass feedstock for creating bioplastics? And the problem with just relying on biomass feedstocks is that it depends on you know how you're growing and cultivating those crops, where you're growing them. And I think relying on biomass for large materials production is a potentially dangerous solution. So it really depends on where that biomass is coming from, what kind of what you're planting and and how you're doing it. With that said, I think in a best case scenario, you have to do something about plastics and bioplastics are an important piece of that. All right. My sixth pick is back into my sweet spot, uh, which is grid flexibility. And so the way they define grid flexibility is pretty broad, which is one of the reasons I thought this pick made sense. It's everything from system operation, markets, load flexibility, flexible generation, flexible networks, and energy storage. And I guess my thinking here is that I don't know how, this is one of the ones where I like went down my own rabbit hole of how would I quantify this? So I don't know how they did, but my thinking would be electricity remains one of, if not the largest sources of greenhouse gas emissions in the world. And we're going to add a bunch of renewables to it to try to decarbonize it. But you, but renewables in the absence of grid flexibility really don't get that far. Like w- without any meaningful additions of grid flexibility, you start to top out at like, you know, 20, 30 percent solar or wind, maybe a little bit more combined. So to go from that to 100 percent or 80 percent or something like that is reliant on a lot of grid flexibility. So I, if they're calculating it the way that I think I would, then the totality of grid flexibility is the enabler that lets you get from a low penetration of zero carbon to a very high penetration of zero carbon and thus should be a big impact. Yeah, this is one that feels, it's like similar to to, uh, net zero buildings. It encompasses so much and it makes it like, and both an attractive solution and one that's hard to wrap my head around. But I will say, I think it's a good pick. I just wonder in terms of categorization, how it squares up with some of these more like specific technological solutions. It yeah. just feels like a, like a squishy, squishy one to me. Yeah, I agree. It's all, it totally dependent on the methodology. So I'm, I'm banking on having, uh, having estimated correctly how Project Drawdown would come up with a number here. Can I tell you something about the scores right now? I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty yes. interesting. <laughs> yes, this might influence my pick. <laughs> uh, oh, maybe it should. I don't know. It it is like within w- within single digits, within low oh, single digits, within right low now. single digits in terms of the total, the tons. Yes, in terms of the tons, and uh, you've both picked so far. You well, all right. I'll save that for later. I'll save it for later. <laughs> okay, the suspense. I now my 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 stomach is up in my throat. I'm so nervous about this last pick, and I'm switching. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm I'm I had something here on my list, but I just made a last minute decision to switch, and I'm gonna pull something out that you banked on last draft shale, and that is telepresence, telework replacing flying for business meetings with telepresence technologies. Uh, So it replaces all kinds of travel in the transportation sector for business. And I just feel like rather than I was going to pick high speed rail or mass transit, but I just feel like this, this encompasses all of those potential solutions. It's a low cost solution that can offer a big CO2 bang for the investment. So I'm going to just, I'm going to go straight for telepresence. 
That's funny because I remember you making fun of me last year for picking I, I up presents. <laughs> I did. I did. I think yeah. actually I picked augmented reality, which is like a offshoot of telepresence. But um, look, I, you know, I respect the pick, especially because I came up with it first. Um, <laughs> okay. Tell, so this is basically going to be, this is going to come down to a contest between telepresence and my final pick, which I think I have to go with mass transit. And the, the, uh, I'm so excited. This is a great matchup. I know. I know it really is. And I, but the, so the theory here is like my assumption is that they're baking into their calculations, the fact that the entire world is urbanizing pretty fast. And so transit around and, you know, in and around cities is going to be a huge portion of the total amount of transit. And so if you build up better mass transit, which has significantly lower CO2 emissions profile, um, then you should have a pretty big impact. I, I thought I was torn between mass transit and high-speed rail because as they define mass transit, it's largely around cities and high-speed rail is a better solution for like replacing trips and airplanes. But I just figured, you know, overall, we're going to have so many people traveling around cities that mass transit's got to be the one. That's a really interesting last set of picks because they're in similar sectors. They're two solutions to the same problem i will be really interested to see if that separates us in any way can, can so, i note some things that we didn't pick that like some areas we didn't sure. pick okay so we didn't pick really much around food i mean i picked one in agriculture but for example they had a plant-rich diet we could have picked we didn't pick much in industrial emissions um, I was thinking about picking alternative cement. They actually didn't have anything for iron and steel production, but I think should have. Um, those are things we, we could have picked. There's like a bunch. I, I feel pangs of uh, anxiety about sectors that we missed out on. But anyway. You you have to live with what you've picked unless uh, you want to steal, which is your last uh, option. Uh, you can steal if you want to, but then you have to give up one of the picks that you have. And so first, let me just recap what each of you have picked so far. So uh, Stephen, uh, in order of your picks, you picked uh, shipping, tropical forests, trucks, net zero buildings, family planning, bioplastics, and telepresence. Mm, feel good about that. And shale... Your picks were electric vehicles, solar farms, afforestation, educating girls, conservation agriculture, grid flexibility, and mass transit. Feel good about that? I do. I feel, I feel pretty good about it, though I do have a bit of anxiety still. Okay. Well, you have one more chance. You, uh, because you, you, Stephen picked first, uh, you get to steal first if you want to. Oh, it's tough. I do want to steal, but I don't want to give anything up on my team. Oh, well, I regret it. I, I yeah. All right. I'm going to make a steal. I will take, I'm going to steal tropical forests because I think that was a good pick and I will <sighs> give Steven mass transit. Ah, I'm so angry. Uh, I re could regret that. Mass transit's really important. Ah. All yeah, right. well, so so then I'm gonna. I'm, uh, this is an easy one for me. I'm gonna give up trucking and take grid flexibility. Oh, uh, yeah. If trucking was a bad pick, you shouldn't have made it in the first place. It would have been an interesting <laughs> strategy for you to make one bad pick, knowing you were gonna get rid of it at the end and stick me with it. Mm, I, I don't make bad picks. 
That I feel like I didn't this stealing round. I feel like I did not come out on top. I I think that picking tro- taking my tropical forest. I I was really banking on that one. I think tropical forest management is is one of the mo- the most important dark horses. But um, I'm I'm very happy with your grid flexibility. So you now have my trucking. I have your grid flexibility. I now have your mass transit, and you now have my tropical forest management. So, what comes next? Where, where, where do we go from here, Daniel? All right. I am going to tally up your scores while you all wait with bated breath. And and let's uh, bring in a little ditty from Matt Farley. Just sit tight, everybody. Daniel is tallying up the scores in a short while. We're going to know. Decarbonization draft. <laughs> oh my god. That guy's amazing. <laughs> okay, we're back. Daniel, what do you have? All right, so we have a winner that has won by more than a factor of two. What? Wow. Wait, so we were that close, and then something in the last round plus the steals yeah yeah who is it no so the winner is the returning champion shale yes because of tropical forestation right because of tropical forestation tropical forest was number five it was 61.23 gigatons of carbon dioxide huge 61 so, okay so so i feel good that i at least picked it mm. i mean it's great to be like pick a big great draft pick but if you trade it away in the first season then you don't get a lot of credit <laughs> for it so steven you had uh 72.21 gigatons yeah and shale had 202 <laughs> wow oh i'm sorry well, man i'm kind of like demoralized now how could i lose so badly and especially after it was so close yeah Wow, those those steals really do uh, change the game. Apparently, I I thought your steal was a good one though. Did yeah, did he too. not get a lot out of the grid flexibility for uh, trucks thing? Grid flexibility was was rated as an NA. What in the project drawdown? So they they it was so variable that they didn't put a figure on it. So maybe you oh, can take solace shit. in that. That's that's probably what happened. So I stole grid flexibility and I disadvantaged myself <laughs> more. That's what oh, happened. That's the, a the, that's a bit of a. I feel I feel bad for that. It's okay. I just know that if we hadn't done the steals, then I probably would have won because you had a terrible pick and I had. Well, a great wait a pick. second. Wait, let me ask you this, Daniel. Before the steals, who would have won? Before the steals. Shell, you would have also won. What? But it was, <laughs> yeah, it was like 140 gigatons to like 137. Uh, and right before that, it was 131 to 134. It was really close. Oh, man. Uh, all right, so tell us more. So, um, okay, so overall I won on, on tons. What about uh, savings, like dollar savings? Shell, you also won on dollar <laughs> savings. You won by- you're so cheap. Uh, what is that, 20? 20- <laughs> You saved twenty trillion dollars. Steven saved four trillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but this is also because so so also before the steals, you both had picked a 
a solution that had an NA. So, so Stephen, you had picked net zero buildings, and that had an NA on in in savings. NA is and not total, available, by the way. Not just, available. Yeah, yeah. They didn't rate it. Yeah. Um, and but afterwards, yeah, you kind of you were left with two solutions that had NA that were had zeros, bioplastics, and grid flexibility. I choose to to think that that NA just means it's so valuable. That the score can't possibly fit on that spreadsheet, so they just need letters. Yeah, that feels like a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna attach a small asterisk to this win because I I feel bad for you that those are NAs. I think if if you could try to quantify them, they would both be pretty big. <laughs> All right. So what was the winning overall pick and the worst overall pick besides the NAs? The best pick was Tropical Forests. Oh, good steal. Yeah, number great five. Mm hmm. And then. Right after that, number six was Educating Girls. Wow, I'm surprised that Educating Girls was higher than Family Planning. Family Planning was number seven. What What are the top four picks? Like, what are we missing here? Top four picks. The top four picks are something that neither of you got, Refrigerant Management. Whoa. With 89.74 really? yeah. gigatons. What? Oh, man, I got to do some research on that. And then next up after that, we had wind turbines, onshore wind turbines. Oh, come on. They put wind over solar? That's... All right, guys. <laughs> yeah, solar's down at uh, number eight, right after Family Planet. I don't know about this, but fine. Some LeBron James pick you got there. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. He's he, He'll bloom later in his career. And then the fourth... Uh, ranked one that you all missed is plant rich diet. Ah, I thought about that one. I, I picked the conservation agriculture instead of that one, but uh, I buy that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm gonna go drown my sorrows in uh, an impossible burger from Burger King, <laughs> and I'm gonna go plant a few trees just to prove that afforestation should be up at the top of the list. Daniel, thanks a lot for helping us out here. Very I welcome. wish you had better news for me, but this was fun. Better luck next time. <laughs> We're going to call it there. Our last decarbonization draft sparked a bunch of other drafts from listeners. If you're starting your own in the classroom or in your company or around your holiday meal, let us know about it on Twitter. You can find me and Shale there and also the Interchange Show. Feel free to email me at postscriptaudio at gmail.com as well if you want to send your ideas. Uh, if you want to dig into the solutions from Project Drawdown yourself, uh, learn about the assumptions, challenge the assumptions, just go to projectdrawdown.org and you're going to find the list there and the calculations and a bunch of other great resources. And guess what? In our next episode, I will be talking with Dr. Katherine Wilkinson of Project Drawdown. She's a prolific speaker and writer on climate solutions. She was one of the senior writers on the original Project Drawdown plan. So she'll join us to dig into these solutions in a deeper way. The Interchange is produced and edited by me and Daniel Waldorf. Shio Khan is my co-host. We are a co-production of Green Tech Media and Postscript Audio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>